Hi, this is Carol, and welcome to Episode 36 of Speakerman Speaks Retail, where we navigate retail from now to next through my latest retail trajectories and interviews with industry experts who help us chart the course. One of my top retail trajectories for the last couple of years has been grocery grabs and food forays. The fact that everyone from convenience stores to drug and dollar retailers are pushing into the food business. But there's a subcategory within grocery that's gaining steam very quickly. I'm talking about plant-based products. They're no longer relegated to crunchy natural food stores. In fact, plant-based options are now table stakes for anyone who takes their grocery business seriously, and the categories emerging as a major growth driver for brands and retailers. My guest is deeply involved in driving momentum for plant-based products with major retailers like Walmart and Kroger, along with top brands that are leading the charge. As Senior Director of Marketplace Development for the Plant-Based Foods Association, Julie Emmett supports plant-based initiatives for PBFA's members with strategic merchandising, education, research, data analysis, and marketing. PBFA is the only trade association in the U.S. that represents over 350 leading plant-based food companies with a mission of expanding marketplace opportunities and advocating for policies that encourage fair competition. Julie launched PBFA's Retail Advisory Council, and she's a passionate advocate, thought leader, and speaker on plant-based business opportunities. Prior to PBFA, Julie served in leadership roles with leading brands and retailers, including Kraft and Albertsons. I'm thrilled to have Julie here with us today to share insights on plant-based opportunities and help us better understand where this power category is going next. So welcome, Julie. It's really great to have you here. And I think it's a really timely conversation as grocery does continue to heat up and as so many retailers and brands invest in plant-based options these days. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here, Carol. Great. Well, right off the bat, I think it would be helpful If you could help us set a baseline on terminology, I have to admit I'm a little bit embarrassed because I've been vegan for over a decade, but I honestly don't know if that means that I'm also plant-based or if they're synonymous or if they're differences. So can you help shed some light on the emergence of the term plant-based, first of all, and just help us parse out the differences between all the lingo that's out there? Yes. This is a question we hear quite often, actually. The term plant-based was actually coined in the mid-80s by T. Colin Campbell for diets, meaning diets that are comprised of mostly or all plants, primarily for health reasons. Fast forward to 2018, when PBFA launched Certified Plant-Based, which is a certification on products, and it's based on PBFA's definition, foods made from plants that do not contain animal ingredients. This certification lets consumers know just that. And I'll insert here that PBFA was launched two years prior in 2016 to represent the collective voice of companies that make plant-based foods, both in the areas of policy and marketplace. And that's, I think, important context overall. But to share a few stats here for for context, plant-based foods, they really appeal to a broad, more mainstream consumer. Vegans actually represent about 1% of the population. And we know that plant-based foods appeals to at least 66% of the population based on research that we recently conducted of the total U.S. population. And plant-based foods offers a way to make it easier uh, for those that either want to reduce their meat and dairy consumption or as a vegan or vegetarian, add delicious options because we know consumers want variety and options. And that's what plant-based foods offer. So back to your question, you can think about it this way. Vegan speaks to a lifestyle 
Uh, that includes much more than just food choices, whereas plant-based keeps the focus on foods and ingredients. Oh, okay. Well, that's really helpful. I see. So you're not necessarily going to be talking about plant-based furniture companies. It really is focused on the food piece of it and grocery and those opportunities. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Okay, great, great. Well, that's helpful. I know that your work is steeped in research at PBFA, and you guys do such a great job of compiling and presenting data on the plant-based market. I checked out your recent report, your 2021 retail sales data report, And some of the stats really popped out at me. Plant-based foods grew 6.2% in 2021, and that was on top of an already record-breaking year in 2020. And over the past three years, the category's grown a whopping 54%. And that's despite the supply chain snags, labor shortages, and the inflationary headwinds that we all can't stop talking about. Now, Julie, I know there are a lot of factors at work here, but what do you see as the main growth drivers? For context, this growth is outpacing total food sales by three times. And in fact, total food unit sales are actually down 3%, while plant-based food units are up 4%. And what this means is it demonstrates that it is not pricing that is driving growth. This is a very healthy industry. The growth is also outpacing animal-based products. And this is even as restaurants start to open back up. And so this is, again, as you said, really significant growth. And to talk about some of the couple of the primary drivers. One advances in innovation, meaning that products are of better and better quality and taste and texture are amazing. And this is demonstrated by the purchasing repeat rate. So we track um, through household panel repeat rates of plant-based foods. And the repeat rate for plant-based foods in 2021 was 76%. And that number continues to grow every year. So that's evidence. And the pandemic, the second one is really the pandemic, highlighted the need to focus more on health, specifically immunity. And plants certainly contribute to health quite substantially. But we also learned from research from Mintel that because of the pandemic, in late 2020, 30% of consumers said that, that they feel that we need to eat less animals. So this is referring to the heightened awareness of not only health, but the link to zoonotic diseases as well as the environmental impact of animal agriculture, and lastly, animal welfare. So really, to summarize that, it's about innovation, and it's about the pandemic really creating a heightened awareness. Yeah, that 76% repeat rate really jumps out. They're obviously not just dabbling and then moving on, so that's really interesting. Retailers and brands are pulling out all the stops to engage new generations of shoppers, and it's clear that some of the hot buttons that you just mentioned, sustainability, animal welfare, and social justice really matter to a lot of these shoppers. And of course, plant-based products wrap all three movements together. What are you seeing in terms of generational opportunities? And has any of your customer segmentation data in general surprised you? Yes, we work very closely with retailers and you're spot on with their desire to satisfy all shoppers, of course, but recognizing the fact that younger generations, their engagement signifies the future the future of plant-based foods. So in terms of what we learned this year that is different, which may sound a bit contrary to what I just said, is the purchasing patterns across generations. They've become more equal, meaning that baby boomers, millennials, and Gen Z all comprise about 30% of all plant-based purchases. And what this tells us is that the market continues to broaden when you drill down a bit further using indexing measures. Consumers ages 35 to 44 
do have a stronger propensity to purchase plant-based foods. And we are continuing to conduct research to better understand the impact of younger generations. But that indexing is a plus 26%. So it's definitely a multi-generational dynamic. Yes. Of those consumer hot buttons, sustainability, I think, is the big one that everybody talks the most about and that everyone's universally concerned about. Um, Every retailer and brand out there, they know that sustainability isn't going away. And they also know they can't afford to just phone it in because consumers are watching every move they make and they're holding them accountable for these pretty aggressive commitments that they're making. So how does PBFA address and support sustainability initiatives? And do you think that retailers and brands are making the connection between sustainability and plant-based products? Absolutely. This is a significant development in our work with retail partners on behalf of our members and the industry. And one of our retailers, I'll just say they're in the top five in terms of size, is taking all that we've learned together over the years, actually, that we've been working together in terms of expanding shelf space, creating clear signage, educational marketing campaigns, and they're witnessing the growth As a result of this partnership, we are working closely with the director of sustainable products at this retailer and helping to educate and make the connection between sustainability goals and plant-based foods by creating targets for plant-based foods. So this is what retailers are doing. They're actually connecting ESG goals, sustainability with procurement and creating targets for plant-based foods. So this is part of what we know as the triple bottom line you know, profit, social responsibility, environmental impact. So it's, consumers care about this. And it's really incredible to be in the seat to see the tangible evidence of retailers making this a part of their strategic plan. So the work that PBFA does around this is, is to provide life cycle assessments, LCAs, they're referred to in the industry, to measure the impact of plant-based foods on the environment in the spirit of transparency and education. So all of us working together in this way We're getting to that point of being able to measure the impact and be as transparent to consumers as possible for a win for everyone. So once again, it goes back to the data, right? And if you've got the data to back it up, then I'm sure retailers are all ears. Yes, it really does. Evidence can't be disputed. Yeah, absolutely. I've been talking a lot about the latest acceleration in private brand development And how private brands are an even bigger arrow in retailers' quivers these days as a margin-building hedge against inflation. I find it interesting that retailers like Target that aren't traditional grocers are making big bets on building plant-based private brands, entire private brand programs around plant-based products, not to mention the big grocery players like Kroger and Albertsons and others. These retailers aren't just dabbling. They are naming and claiming plant-based assortments. Obviously, you represent a lot of brands in your membership, and do they see this private brand development as a threat? I mean, I have to believe some of them are involved in creating some of those private brand products, but how does that all work out? Overall, when private label products are developed, it is certainly validation that this is not just a trend. It is a key strategic initiative, so in that sense, it's positive. Private label also creates more awareness and, to your point, value and more options for consumers. So those are all positive things as well. With the risk of stating the obvious, the reality is that in some ways it does pose a threat in terms of available shelf space and the prioritization that retailers place on private label. But again, we go back to consumers want variety. And we hear directly that retailers want to make space for innovation. Merging brands are the core of innovation. 
expanding into different types of meat, for example. We talk about chicken and pork or seafood. And even within the traditional types, it's these brands that bring the innovation. So it's a symbiotic relationship in that respect. And again, to your point, it it does offer an opportunity for plant-based companies to be a supplier, helping to scale that key element of scale. The best way for brands is to be open and create a strategy together with private label because it's not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I always say that inevitabilities can't be threats. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Yes, yes. Well, going deeper within some of the categories within the category, I noticed that milk sales, plant-based milk sales are off the charts. According to your data, plant-based milk is now the growth engine for the entire category. In other words, it's actually making up for losses in animal-based milk. And along with that, you see these assortments exploding. You go to your local grocer and there's almond, coconut, cashew, oat milk. So does that kind of disproportionate growth in one category hurt other plant-based categories? Does it sort of drown them out? Or do you look at it more as sort of the rising tide lifts all boats? (laughs) Yes. Plant-based milk serves as an entry point for many consumers. And creating that positive experience when they're comfortable with milk, consumers then try other categories, such as yogurt and ice cream. And a lot of the innovation in terms of oats and cashew and some of those are similar within those categories. So there's that familiarity and comfort and confidence. And now we're seeing almost what it feels like is an endless amount of plant ingredients being used across all categories, not just milk and dairy, plant-based dairy. There's flax, pistachio, rice, cashew, talked about that, peanut, walnuts, pea protein, macadamia, banana, avocado, so many different ingredients that provides wonderful taste and texture nutrients. It's really exciting. When you have that variety of mediums to work with, as it were, that also hedges against some of these sourcing concerns, I would think, and weather-related problems to where maybe you have more flexibility to continue that growth, but you can shift strategies into these different ingredients. 100%. And just this morning, when we've been collaborating with our retail partners as we prepare for the Plant-Based World Expo in September, what is it that they hope to accomplish at the show? And the list is too long for me to go into here, but to your (laughs) point right now is based on all the issues that we've talked about here, the fragile supply chain, we refer to it as supply network, inflation, all of those things. Is there the ability to source ingredients domestically? And We couldn't be more thrilled to hear that as PBFA has launched a domestic supply ingredient initiative, working with farmers, working with brands. How can we produce this domestically so we're not reliant on, again, the fragility of the supply network? So that's one, you know, check. Yes, we're we're on that. It's just so validating to know that that we're still in this together and we're finding solutions. That brings me to in-store merchandising, which is make or break for any category, but particularly for plant-based products. And I know there have been some really hard-won battles to get plant-based products placed alongside their animal-based counterparts and that at PBFA, you guys have been really involved with making that happen. In fact, you partnered with Kroger for a study that allowed you to test all of this out with one of the biggest retailers out there. So can you tell us some more about some of the takeaways from that Kroger study, Julie? There's a 60-store control store test across two different regions. We learned that sales increased 23% higher 
in the test stores than in control. And this was placing all plant-based meat in the meat department versus it being in a separate section in either produce or a separate vegetarian set. The next logical step is to understand, is displacement actually happening to know where that extra space on the shelf should come from. So very exciting. Well, they're obviously excited about it too, or they wouldn't be taking it to the next level like that. That's great. Being able to see that, you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. So given that you have run these studies and you've worked so closely with brands and retailers, not only in your previous career, but day in and day out at PBFA, I know you've probably seen everything. So can you share any best practices when it comes to optimizing the opportunity with plant-based products, whether they're directed at brands or retailers or both? What we found when we were conducting the Kroger study was that other retailers were waiting to see the results of this. They knew what a massive undertaking this was. So us, we don't work with retailers unless we can publish the data on behalf of the industry. And the fact that Kroger was willing to share the results is pretty amazing. So The best practice is either to stay very informed about what research is being conducted. This category does warrant a test and learn to ask your own consumers what they expect in your stores and testing certain sets to see because building loyalty, that's what it's all about, right? That's the number, that's the first priority of retailers and being able to talk to their own consumers about plant-based is, is really important. So if you don't have the resources, stay tuned with what research is being done or conduct whatever research is is feasible. We also learned that always having an item on promotion, you know, rotation, keeping that shopper engaged. That's number three. And then we've been very successful in running integrated marketing events that, that includes products across the entire store. Like I said earlier, there's about 30 categories now across the store. And again, we've partnered with retailers, but we publish it we publish that information so they can see how successful it is and inspire them to do to do the same thing. Yeah, I would say those are the key learnings so far. What I'm hearing is focusing on making it a mainstreamed opportunity because you obviously have the data support that it's a much more universal trend than perhaps retailers realize and a lot of people acknowledge. And if you merchandise it right and take some of the steps that you've mentioned, it can really catch fire. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said, Yes exactly right. This has been such a great conversation and I end every interview with one question that I'll pose to you right now. What's next? I love that question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to point to something forthcoming. It's a body of research that we're really excited about and then I'll talk about what, what I think is next beyond that. So the short answer is there is a food marketing institute. Their name is the Food Industry Association. FMI study is being released in July of this year. And it's called The Power of Plant-Based. Historically, they have published The Power of Meat annually. And it's a foundational body of research because it's so robust for the industry. So now to know that they are focusing on this, on The Power of Plant-Based, we were asked to be a partner. And we're just really excited about this research. So keep an eye out for that. When is that going to be released? When are the findings released for that? Thank you for asking. Early Q3. Okay, great. So it's underway and that's just around the corner. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Julie, and sharing this really groundbreaking data and the work that you're doing at PBFA. It's a fast-moving category. So I hope that you'll come back and give us some updates. I know it's going to be night and day different even in a few months from now, and maybe even some updates on the data and the research that you're doing. I would really love to hear more about it. I would love to, Carol. Thank you. I'm very excited about what this industry, how it's quickly it's evolving. I would love to. Thank you. 
You can learn more about the great research that PBFA is releasing and about the work that they're doing in general by visiting plantbasedfoods.org. And you can keep up with PBFA's latest social media updates by tracking at Grow Plant Based. On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of Speakerman Speaks Retail. In future episodes, I'll continue to talk with more visionaries who help us understand what's really happening in hot retail categories. And we'll keep on tracking those retail trajectories, so I hope you'll continue to listen in every other Tuesday. Our next episode will break on June 28th. And in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Retail Expert. X-P-E-R-T. And you can also check out my media updates and speaking gigs at speakermanretail.com. I've got a big update to my calendar this week, lots of in-person events coming up, which I'm really excited about, and I'd love to meet you there. So thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.